Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Let's institute a mask mandate nationwide, starting immediately. Number one, no more subsidies for fossil fuel industry. No more drilling on federal lands. No more drilling, including offshore. No ability for the oil industry to continue to drill, period. We'll also and learn number one. No more offshore drilling? Isn't that where the oil comes from? Don't we need that? My goodness. Happy Labor Day. Hope you're doing well. A lot going on. President Trump giving a press conference right now where he was just, he is on fire, just tearing, tearing into the press, uh, talking about, it's so interesting. He's, he's ranting about um, Obamagate, you know, the, the, the spying on him and harassing of his administration, etc. And lots of the Twitter responses are, this story is so old. Get over it now. So old. So old. There's been no reckoning for this. And the people who lie, the people who are part of the soft coup are still, some of them are still have jobs. This is not too so old. Sorry about that. No. The Kavanaugh made up a sexual assault is not so old because uh, it, it, even though it happened in 1981 or whatever, supposedly. But the, the but this is, this is so old? No. There needs to be a reckoning for what happened. With the, You can call it Obamagate or you can call it the the um, extraordinary actions of the intel community to monitor a man out of the the best of intentions. You can call it what you want, but it was incredible. And it's history, history at some point, history will show just how damaging it was and destabilizing. You can't say that Trump has raised the temperature and complain about the way he acts when he has been driven to this by this ridiculous effort, this fake propaganda effort to kneecap him. And if you were part of it, if you were retweeting this crap that Comey was saying or the any of these other stroke things were saying, and you were for it, whether you're not you were a civilian or in the media, then you're part of it. Sorry about that. 
So I've been watching this Kamala Harris interview with um, with Dana Bash and CNN, and it is it's revealing. Kamala Harris is who we thought she was. Her opinion is blown in the wind. She will say whatever it takes to say to survive. At some point during this interview, she just kept, you know, just kept, um, what's that called when the planes are all circling waiting to land? She was just in a landing sequence, whatever that's called. I can't figure out what it's called. But, um, and there's no, the, the problem is, is that with Biden not having much game left, in her not having much game left, I mean, her, no, I'm sorry, in her having no real principles, and now that she's on the ticket, even the thin shadows, those thin vapors of principles you th- might have thought she might have had are now out the window as well. So with Pence and Trump, for instance, Pence had to come around on some issues. I'm sure it was the same with Biden and Obama. It certainly was the same with George H.W. Bush and Ronald Reagan. When you're the VP, you got to swallow hard and uh, swallow away some of your previously held positions because you have to align totally with the president. And that's how you do it. But with Harris, she doesn't have to swallow hard and and uh, dispel or dispense or you know entomb her principles uh, somewhere, put them in escrow until she's done, because she doesn't really have principles other than ascension. And that's fine for a lot of jobs. It's just a lot of people are just vacuous human beings and just want to do make more money. I mean, geez, maybe maybe the most you've dealt with really good, effective salespeople in like media sales. A lot of them are, I swear, are there's no soul. It's just simply all sale, sell, 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 and they're good. And some of them are fun folks, but they're simply into ascension, making the sale, making more money. It's ascension, and that's it's fine. I don't generally hang around with a lot of those folks, but. With Harris, it's a little it's it's a little more difficult because, for instance, last time Tim Kaine was Hillary's VP pick. Fine, he seemed to be an idiot, but you didn't need him because you had Hillary and you had her principles, and you, that Hillary was somebody with a pretty deep depth of knowledge, and brought core philosophy to the presidency. No, Biden doesn't have that. Not that he. He was never a strong ideologue guy anyway. He was more of a sloganeering style president. So so that's the the, the that's the issue with Harris is like well, okay, we don't know who he is now, so now who is she? And if she's nobody, who's third in charge? Who's gonna be the person? Who's that for him? I'm sorry, all my kids are screaming downstairs. Sorry about that. I can't nothing I can do. You know, when you buy a house that's uh, 300 years old, and it's fun because the beams show, the original beams from the 1700s are exposed and show, um, you also buy a house without a proper ceiling and floor and noise uh, suppression. So there you go. My kids are your kids. All right. So let's listen to this. Kamala Harris with Dana Bash. Um, she talk, They start out talking about a vaccine. Now, remember, in the, the VPs, Supposedly, the VT, VP's role, VP nominee's role, is to be a um, is to be a pit bull and be the attack dog. The president's too decent to be. You know, it's, the, it's the old formula, whatever. 
But it's so with Harris, what I find is the troubling thing is, sure, she can be the attack dog, but her absolute willingness, because she's got a lack of principles, because there's nothing to her really, her willingness to try to utterly destabilize the country is a little worrisome, especially right now. If you win, your administration is going to inherit a really dire situation. Yeah. A key model is projecting... Thank you, Dana. You're going to inherit. Just so you know, we know it's not your problem. It's something you inherited. Thank you for adding that, Dana. Deaths could reach 3,000 a day by December, in part because of declining vigilance of the public. Red state people daring to go out in bars, people in Trump boat rallies, that's you. And people in uh, who don't like wearing masks, that's you. You're being lectured to in a question. They can't help themselves. It's so in their DNA that lecturing is in a question. Lose 3,000 a day. You know, we lost 3,000 a day when we were all in our basements wearing masks, doing what we were told to, when we were all hiding and not going, when, when everything was shut down. We lost 3,000 a day in the shutdown places in New York, in Boston. Jesus. But they're telling us, no, you guys, you know, it's all you. You could cause something. I mean, there were, we were losing many more people right after uh, Memorial Day, I think, and that was when the George Floyd protests were. So, as you know, President... But we'll go back to... I'll try to concentrate here, Tom. We're listening to Kamala. President Trump has promised a coronavirus vaccine by the end of the year or maybe sooner. Would you trust that vaccine? I think that we have learned since this pandemic started, but really before that, that there's very little that we can trust that comes out of Donald Trump's mouth. So so that he comes out with a vaccine, you're going to tell people that it can't be trusted. Talk about destabilizing. So there's a vaccine that ostensibly could save lives. And you're telling the American people, don't trust it. Don't trust it. It seems to me that that could be a little more irresponsible than not wearing a mask 24 hours a day. Um, from the beginning of this pandemic, he has called it a hoax. He has muzzled the public health experts. He has minimized the seriousness of it. He has created false expectations. Is he muzzling people? Because I've never... And you've never, ever been more exposed to more public health experts in my life. You know, I hear Fauci's voice from 8,000 miles away. I can hear him talking about right now. And Deborah Burks and his the Surgeon General. We've all met these people. Muzzled. They've become superstars. For the American people and American families, even though if he had listened to the scientists and the experts, he would have understood the gravity of it and... The power that he as president of the United States has to actually save lives. So I understand, Kamala, that shamelessly using a horrific virus to win the presidency. I understand that that's just cynical politics. But Dana Bash did ask you a question. And your feeling was, your, your sentiment that you're passing along here was that, you know, you can't trust him no matter what. And now she's going to, she's essentially telling us, and he's also a monster. Maybe some actual instruction from a person with principles with core ideology would be something useful but kamala does not have that in her tool set and none of those were his priorities his priority was to to do whatever he thought was uh, politically expedient and um so uh, no 
I would not trust his word. I would trust the word of public health experts and scientists, but not Donald Trump. But do you trust that in the situation where we're in now, that the public health experts and the scientists will get the last word on the efficacy of a vaccine? If past is prologue, that they will not. They'll be muzzled. So wait a second. So they'll be muzzled. So you won't trust Trump, but you will trust the public health experts, but they'll be tainted by Trump. So she's gone from no to yes to no. They'll be suppressed. They will be sidelined because he's looking at an election coming up in less than 60 days. And um, and he's grasping for whatever he can get to pretend that he has been a leader on this issue when he is not. So let's just say there is a vaccine that is approved and even distributed before the election. Would you get it? Well, I think that's going to be an issue for all of us. Um, I will say that. Wait, first of all, it is a yes, no question if a vaccine comes out. The problem is that you've been yes, no, yes, no already in the answer. No, I won't take it because Trump's a liar. I will take it if the public experts, uh, health experts tell me to. But no, I won't take it if they do because he muzzles them. So where are you? I would not trust Donald Trump. And it would have to be a credible source of information that talks about the, um, the efficacy and the, and the reliability of whatever he's talking about. I will not take his word for it. He wants us to inject bleach. I so that's not true. And it's a total flat-out horrific and dumbass lie, but that's fine. He wants us to inject bleach. He never said that. But okay, fine. The, the, the media takes it as, as fact now anyway. It doesn't matter. But so now she is under uh, she is um, undergirding her her stated position that Trump can't be trusted with the virus using a lie to f further reinforce force it to Americans that don't you shouldn't take the vaccine. She's not going to remember. She's the role model. She wears a mask for other people so that other people see her wearing it. No, I will not take his word. Dr. Fauci said a vaccine wouldn't be approved unless uh, the American people had really assurances that it was safe and that he feels that it was safe and that if that happens, he would take it. Do you feel more comfortable hearing someone like Dr. Fauci say that? No, I think Dr. Fauci has proven for anyone who has been watching him for years and years to put the, the, the public health of the American people at, as the highest priority in terms of his work and his reputation and his priority. Yes, I trust Dr. Fauci. No, oh, wait a second. No, he's muzzled. So yes, no, yes, no, yes, no about the vaccine. But American people don't trust anything Trump said because he told you to inject bleach. What a... I mean... I, the the fact that she's being cynical and using this using the, the virus to scare people okay that's one thing and that's you know horrific but that's fine the fact that in two and a half minutes she was on all sides of the issue that ain't great who's going to be in charge who's running this presidency the Obama, the Biden Harris presidency so let's look down the road that uh, at some point hopefully there will be. Yes. A credible yes. and, and a safe vaccine uh, mm -hmm. for coronavirus. If and when that happens, should all 50 states require uh, students to get that vaccine before entering public school? 
Well, first, Dana, I would say that um, there's a huge distinction between creation of a vaccine and then peer-reviewed and to the point that it is actually um, viable. Big difference between vaccine and vaccinations. Absolutely. And what the frig are you talking about? What does that mean? Would you mandate a vaccine if it comes out? Would should schools mandate for it to happen? One of the 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 issues that I think is very critical on this point about whether people are actually vaccinated is whether there's a national plan. Joe Biden and I have a plan, a national plan. Donald Trump does not. And so when we start breaking down different populations, um, there has to be an overall plan that thinks about those who and will, will administer vaccines to those who have been hardest hit, who are most vulnerable and most in need. And, um, and that's the kind of approach we need to have. When you get to the point of vaccinations, would that plan include requirement for public schools to take the coronavirus vaccine? I will listen to the public health experts and hear what they have to say. Jesus. Wow, there's real leadership and great. That means President Fauci is uh, with us for four more years. Incredible. The nothingness. If you felt like you were being spammed right there, you were. By the way, Kamala Harris has spoken up before about mask mandates. Early on, the former vice president, Joe Biden, appeared to support a federal mask mandate. And now he says he would put a lot of pressure on governors, on mayors, on local officials for them to issue the mandate. So can you clear this up? What exactly is the Biden-Harris stance on this? Would a Biden-Harris administration... Sorry, that was vaccines. This is the mask... Um, sorry, that was vaccines. This is the mask mandate. Early on, the former vice president, Joe Biden, appeared to support a federal mask mandate. And now he says he would put a lot of pressure on governors, on mayors, on local officials for them to issue the mandate. So can you clear this up? What exactly is the Biden-Harris stance on this? Would a Biden-Harris administration support a federal mask mandate? So remember, Biden said yes. Absolutely, there should be a mask mandate. He said it forcefully recently. Here we go, Kamala. So the Biden-Harris position on this is that leaders must lead. Oh, well, you th do you know what? Good. That's the information. That's the takeaway, the action item that I needed. Thank you, Kamala. Jesus. And one of the ways leaders lead is they set standards. And so what Joe has been very clear about in his personal behavior, much less in what he is admonishing and, and requesting of the American people, is that we all make the sacrifice to wear a mask um, in the interest of love of our neighbor, in the interest of... So it's a mandate. Of, of defeating or at least reducing the health risks and the number of deaths in America. So it's about a national standard. Everyone should wear a mask. And here's the thing about this. Well, if everyone should, then you should, can just codify it with a federal mandate, right? None of us likes wearing a mask. Nobody likes to right, wear a mask. Right, but there's a, a difference between a standard... But it's about sacrifice. Right, there's a difference between a standard and a mandate. Would it be a federal mandate? under the Biden-Harris administration? It would be a standard. No, listen, this is not about, in terms of the priority. I'm glad that Dana gave her the two choices. Of course, she chose the wrong one because Biden is on mandate. ...of Joe Biden and myself. This is not about punishment. It's, it's not about Big Brother. It is simply about saying... What are you talking about? Is it a standard or a mandate? And you just said it's a standard. What a leader, but, but what a leader says in times of crisis, and this is, you, you look at World War II, you look at the Great Depression, where leaders said, we each have to sacrifice 
for the sake of the nation and the collective, and that's what this is about. Right, and I get that, but how do you enforce a standard, especially when, as you know, there are governors who are in, you know, who just don't agree with that, and they're not mandating it on the more local level. How do you enforce but that? But I think that part of the issue here is that we have a president of the United States uh, who made this a partisan issue and made it... He's why I have no strong belief system on this particular subject at all. He's why I have no um, ideology that backs up what I think our policy should be. So I'm just... I'm. You're giving me two choices. I'm just saying a word for you. And I'm going to do this a few more times, then this interview is over. A political issue, and he had governors who fell in line with him on his politics. And you don't think it'll still be a partisan issue if I, you win? I hope not. I pray not. Because this, the COVID, the virus, could care less who you voted for in the last election or who you plan to vote for in the next election. That is really deep and a unique thing to say. I've never heard that. Is, it, is the virus colorblind, by the way? I'm not sure. Isn't this wonderful? The virus doesn't care who you voted for. That's why we're strongly going to have a mandate. Wait, no, we're going to have a standard. But Biden said we're going to have a mandate. But, I mean, who knows? Maybe she's running it. And we need leadership that appreciates that on certain issues, they should not be partisan. And wearing a mask certainly shouldn't be one of them. That's right. So let's just hear from Joe Biden on masks. I get occasionally confronted. Hang on, I'll do this one. Let's institute a mask mandate nationwide, starting immediately. You hear that, Kamala? Mask mandate nationwide, starting immediately. That's not a standard. That's not World War II. We all sacrificed. Let's institute a mask mandate nationwide, starting immediately. Here's a long version. And I get occasionally confronted with a person in the public about wearing a mask. I say, look, this is America. Be a patriot. Protect your fellow citizens. Protect your fellow citizens. Step up. Do the right thing. Do the right thing. There's Use more cliches. Overwhelming evidence. Overwhelming evidence that the mask, and depending on the type of mask you wear, increases exponentially. The prospect... Increases what? Exponentially. All right. Well, you tell uh, your exponential running mate uh, that it's a mandate and not a standard that you're looking for. That you, if you are a carrier and you don't even know it, that you will not infect anyone when you cough, sneeze, sing, shout. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. like, never. I mean, in a large group, as long as you're burning something that doesn't belong to you, then, then there are exceptions. There is a loophole carve out for you. A lot of people are dying. We're up over 160,000 people dead so far. And I'll end by saying that it goes, a little, goes back to the study some months ago by Columbia University saying that we didn't have to be this way. If the president had acted sooner, would have saved just one week earlier. Jeez, he's not meandering at all, huh? Sounds full of uh, vim and vigor. Would have saved... 30-some thousand lives. Two weeks earlier, I think it was 51 or 57,000 lives. I hope we've learned a lesson. Hope the president... Sounds like we need a mask mandate. ...has learned the lesson. But again, this is not about Democrat, Republican, or Independent. It's about saving Americans' lives. So let's institute a mask mandate nationwide, starting immediately, and we will save lives. The estimates are we'll save over 40 thousand lives.
in the next three months if that is done. Very good. Tell your running mate, please, uh, so that we're uh, up to par next time she's asked the question. I have to go get my brother from the train. I will be right back. All right. I am back. Imagine that. Just took a couple of seconds, if you're you. But in truth, I was gone for an hour and 20 minutes. But now I am back, back, back. So, let me finish where I left off. Left off when we left off. Okay, speak, Tom. Speak. When we left off, we were talking about the mask mandate with uh, Kamala Harris. And uh, you just heard it seconds ago, so I don't need to really tell you. All right, where are you on the uh, cops, Kamala? I want to turn to... Sorry, Kamala. I want to turn... Kamala. I want to turn to Kenosha. Okay. Uh, you believe that the officer who shot Jacob Blake should be charged. Um, you were the district attorney in, yeah. in San Francisco. I'm wondering if you put yourself in the position of the DA in Kenosha and how you would feel if you got pressure from the Democratic running mate to be vice president of the United States to put criminal charges in without necessarily knowing the facts that the DA knows. I love this because Harris did say that she would charge him. Uh, she would charge the, the shooters, the cops in Kenosha. So this is well asked by Dana, um, Dana Bash. Um, it's a good, well, good constructed criticism question because it's part of what we do now. Trump sounds off on a lot of these things here. You're absolutely right. And that's why I've been very clear. I am not in full possession of the facts of the case. But based on what I've seen, I think that charges very much should be considered and and and, and should be um, considered in a very serious way. So you said you're not, you don't have the facts, but based on what you've seen, charges should be considered. But you don't have the facts, but charges sh should be considered. And that there should be accountability and consequence. Um, but I think the, the bigger point here is also that we have to agree that we can't have a system that does not require accountability and consequence for everyone who breaks the rules or breaks the law. And that includes police officers. But I, everyone is entitled to due process. Everyone, including police officers. Okay. And I encourage that. I support that. I think our democracy and our system of justice requires that. The way I took what you said, um, I think it was last week, was much more was much more forward leaning. No, that I they think should he be should, charged. I think that based on that what I saw, I think based on what I saw, he should be charged. But I am not in full possession of the of the facts and the okay. evidence, and I'm clearly not the prosecutor. So he should be charged. This is so Colbert. This is so her going in Colbert. It's a debate. It's a debate. He should be charged. There needs to be. Um, there needs to be uh, the, the justice for everybody, including the shooter, including the victim. And I haven't seen the facts, but from what I've seen, he should be charged. So I, I, this is a six-way bet hedge uh, going on here. And once again, it's because she's just blown in the wind. This is not a person with bringing things to the table. This is a person talking her way out of every room that she goes in. Prosecutor in the case and the prosecutor in the case must make a decision based on all of the evidence and and all of the laws that include giving everyone and in particular those who might be charged due process in the process. I'm sure you've been following the story uh, in Rochester, New York. Yeah. We've had another incident. Seven officers were suspended after the death of another black man, Daniel Prude. So should those officers be charged based on what you know? I'm going to give the 
benefit of the doubt to the prosecutors who are involved in that case. And in particular, I know that the attorney general of Cal... Of, of what happened to, based on what you saw, now the benefit's being given to the prosecutors? Excuse me, the attorney general of New York is reviewing the case. And, um, and I expect that they will review all of the evidence and make the appropriate decision. So she used what should have been the Kenosha answer she used in Rochester. But the Kenosha answer... There's a lot of utility in saying the officer should be charged, so that gets that extra layer, but not in Rochester, where she's going to rely upon the prosecutors. Okay, now, once again, we've talked about uh, it's Kamala Harris. It's about getting out of the room alive. And so just a couple of days ago, she was also asked about charging um, the officers in Kenosha for the killing of Jacob Blake. And this is her answer then. You think the officer should be charged? I think that there should be a, a thorough investigation. And based on what I've seen, it, it seems that the officer should be charged. To yes. those who are saying right now across this country, and there are a lot of folks who are saying, here's a man who uh, wouldn't follow police commands. Law enforcement tried to use a, a, a taser. Um, and then he apparently is, is reaching into a car where a knife was later found. And because of those reasons, we should reserve judgment and the officer should be afforded due process. What would you say to those people who are saying that? Everyone should be afforded due process. I, I agree with that completely. That is absolutely one of the important tenets of our, of our system of justice. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, here's the thing. In America, we know these cases keep happening. No, that's not really true. So, so by the way, what does that have to do? So should he be charged or not? But And we have had too many black men in America who have been the subject of this kind of conduct. And, and many of whom have lost their lives and we speak their names all the time. Okay, so I guess they should be charged. That's what I'm leaving, leaning with. So it happens too often. So in that case, we're not going to trust the prosecuting authorities, the district attorney, etc. Because it happens too often. Because there's a new element in there now. During her spam campaign, which is the, how she answers that question, she's introduced a new ingredient. Hey. Because this is where you come from, yeah. law enforcement yes. and, and you know, top cop is where yeah. you come from. I want to ask about something that you wrote in a 2009 book, okay. uh, which is, if we take a show of hands of those who would like to see more police officers on the streets, mine would shoot up. And then in June of this year, you... It was a debate. It was the debate. ...said to the New York Times, it is status quo thinking to believe that putting more police on the streets creates more safety. Uh, that's wrong. So my question for you now, in retrospect, looking at your time as, uh, as DA and as Attorney General of, of California through the lens of 2020, did you help contribute to what you describe as a status quo thinking that uh, more police equals more safety? I am very clear that, that we have, have got to, in America, reimagine how we are accomplishing public safety. And what I believe now and what I believed then remains true and consistent, which is if you look at the communities that um, have no or very little police presence as compared to those who have a high degree of police presence, you will see stark differences. And one of them is this. If you go into any upper class 
suburb in America. You will not see police presence, but what you will see are well-funded public schools, high rates of home ownership, small businesses that have access to capital. You'll see families who have... Yeah, but it's not about what's happening in nice neighborhoods. That's not going to immediately change based on the police presence or the funding in schools. Funding in schools is a, a factor. But you know what else changes in those nice neighborhoods? There are fathers in the house in the nice neighborhoods. But of course, we're not going to you know, put the, any kind of blame or accountability on the dads or people in the community. It's a lack of funding. It's a lack of throwing money at uh, these broken homes. <sighs> Jobs where they don't have to worry about getting to the end of the month and feeding their children. And so if we want to create safe communities, one of the smartest ways we can do that is invest in the health of those communities. But what an abandonment. No, I mean, safe communities, no. You need cops to make safe communities. Nobody, You can't invest in these communities if they keep getting burned down and if there are bullets flying every day. Who's going to want to open up a business there if you can't protect them? Man, they have gone full Black Lives Matter, the Biden campaign. I do not think it is wise. Because healthy communities are safe communities. Would your hands still shoot up if somebody asked if you would want more, uh, more police officers on your streets? What I would say now is Ooh. what I would say then, which is I want to... No, you said, you said then that your hands would shoot up. To make sure that if a woman is raped, a child is molested, or one human being murders another human being, that there will be a police officer that responds to that case and that there will be accountability and consequence for the offender. Yes. That is not what you said then. You, you said that you want your hands to... You said that your hands would shoot up. Where nobody's asking, suggesting that there not be... You know, for women to get raped, there's not going to be a woman, a police officer or not. But remember... It was a debate. <laughs> it was a doesn't debate. doesn't matter what she said then. Come on. It doesn't matter that she's completely turned 180 degrees. She's no longer the cop uh, Kamala. She's now a social justice warrior Kamala. Remember? Who cares if she said it last week? It was a debate. <laughs> Not everybody landed punches like you did, though. It was a debate. <laughs> So you don't mean it. It was a debate. She does. It was last year. <laughs> it was three years ago. There's nothing to her. She's blowing in the wind. The, uh, the Kamala, my friend, is blowing in the wind. Kamala is blowing in the wind. By the way, like we said, it's either just blowing in the wind, just throwing stuff up there, or it's complete division. And she has no problem with the division talking points. There are huge disparities in our country based on race. And, and it, it, it does us no good if we want to solve those disparities to pretend they don't exist. And that exists in police forces across the country? There, there's no question that we have seen an unacceptable incidence for generations of unarmed black men being killed. Uh, we're, first of all, we're not talking about generations. We're talking about now, now. What happened in Mississippi in 1956 is a little bit different than what's happening in inner cities right now. Nobody can deny that. Yes, they can. Yes, they can. Like you've said, it's it's a, in the low hundreds of black people being killed by the cops every year. The three, four, or two thirds of the people shot by cops are whites and Latinos. And yes, I guess the percentage is a bit higher, but who cares? 
How about if do we want more whites and Latinos get cut, to to get shot to even it out? You look at the numbers and proportionate to to the population. A, a, a black man is is exponentially more likely to be stopped without probable cause, arrested. Um, you can look at, for example, marijuana offense. That's absolutely BS. Absolutely BS. More people are calling the police on black people, and probably it's usually black people in the na- on the neighborhoods. So, you know, the 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 black population commits an inordinate percentage of the crime happening in the country, and it's and the victims are black in the black community, and that's terrible. But this crap with this, and the the problem is that the marijuana stops, and I think it's true that more there are more blacks arrested for marijuana, but a lot of times. Those um, those busts are busted down from a more serious charge, but even so, I think there there is there are data. It's always bothers me that people say there are data, but there are data that shows that indeed, um, regardless of the factors that 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 blacks are stopped more for marijuana. But is that the problem in the country right now? Is that the problem with the with the minor, minority communities right now? Marijuana busts is that the big thing? Is that is that the reason? For um, you needing to defund all police because of marijuana busts, you can change the marijuana rules. You know, you can legalize marijuana if you want. You run these communities. It's such a, it's such a, what is it? What is it? Such a, is it a some kind of fish? What is that called when you make a red herring? Is that a red herring? What the hell does even red herring mean? What is? Let me check out what red herring means. Red. By the way, we'll be talking to Jacqueline Cashman and a few about the different issue. Red herring meaning something, especially a clue that is or is intended to be misleading or distracting. Ah, I see. Oh, who knew? Um. Okay, uh, Kamala. Equal use between white population and black population. But black people are exponentially more likely to be arrested and prosecuted for those offenses. So I don't think that most reasonable people who are paying attention to the facts would dispute that there are racial disparities and, 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 and a racial a system that has engaged in, 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 in racism. Great. Thanks, Kamala. Way to stay behind the, uh, law enforcement. Way to step it up. That's great. Man. What a misstep. What a misstep. So as if there's not enough division, yes, the police are racist. Absolutely. The police are racist. Law enforcement is racist. That's where Kamala is right now in 2020. These towns need law enforcement more than ever, but people like her have driven them away. And now the crime rates are up and now more black people are being shot in the streets. Congratulations. As if that wasn't a... uh, divisive enough. I do believe that there will be foreign interference in the 2020 election and that Russia will be at the front of the line. Could it cost you the White House? Theoretically, of course. So go ahead right now and get ready on November 4th to burn every remaining city down because we're going to make sure the streets ignite. This is this is the extortion they're doing. There's going to be hell to pay if we lose. Yes. And that's based on um, what you're hearing publicly, or you mentioned you're on the same I mean, intelligence not, Listen, committee. let me just tell you something. I, it, we have to be a realist, and I'm a realist about it. Joe's a realist about it. We have classic voter suppression at play in this election coming up. Incredible. Incredible. It's already a fix. Already the fix is in. Classic voter suppression. What a toxic thing. Where after the Supreme Court gutted the Voting Rights Act with Shelby V. Holder in 2013, 
Dozens of states passed laws that were designed to suppress the black vote, to suppress students from voting, to suppress uh, our indigenous people from supporting. Horse bleep. In other words, people who shouldn't be on the voter rolls were put off the voter rolls. People who hadn't registered to vote, people who hadn't kept up with this stuff. And it's 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 simply responsible bookkeeping. But no, it's always nefarious. So it's racism. By the way, your group, she's telling you, so you know if you lose the election, that your group is victimized already too. From voting. Jacqueline Cashman is a columnist for the Boston Herald, and she is my colleague for years. She's a very fun and cool person, and she's going to be calling. We'll be talking to her at the beach. She's at the beach. So much so that in North Carolina, a court of appeals said it was the, the law was passed with surgical precision to to get in the way of black voters from voting. So we have Jesus. classic voter suppression. We have what happened in 2016, which is which is foreign interference. What happened in 2016 had no bearing on the election whatsoever. No bearing on the election whatsoever. You had one guy campaigning till two in the morning on the night of the election, and you had one woman who was hanging out with Jay-Z, you know, when she could have been campaigning. Picking out fireworks for her winning celebration while he's out there, you know, hopping in the in the middle of the country, spending time with people that she had no time for. We have a president who is trying to convince the American people not to believe in the integrity of our election system and compromise their belief that their vote might actually count. Um, these things are all at play. What a dangerous, awful, disgusting thing to say. What was it in the New York Times today? New York Times had this headline. I didn't even read the article. I don't have to read the article, no matter what they tell me. The headline, enough is damaging enough on Twitter. <sighs> So here's the New York Times headline. New York Times, news analysis. More than ever, Trump casts himself as the defender of white America. Presenting himself as a warrior against identity politics, the president has increasingly made appeals to the grievances of white supporters, a centerpiece of his re-election campaign. I criticized this thing on Twitter today, and I, I... the pushback has been wide and uh, far and wide. It's so incredible. How dare you say he's not a white supremacist? How dare you say that? And I am very realistic. Joe is very realistic about the fact that until we can win and get in and, and put some teeth. Until we can win, everything is fixed. You got that? Back in the Voting Rights Act and bringing back the, the public's confidence in the system, that there will be many obstacles um, that people are intentionally placing in front of Americans' ability to vote. But we will surpass and surmount and get around those obstacles. Yes, and Trump's the one in, 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 you know, responsible for all the heightened anxiety. It's all Trump, right? No way. These people have been doing this for a long time. So let's move to energy. Energy policy. This is another one where Kamala is a little bit uh, nuanced, I would say. Just need to know where she is about um... President Trump, Vice President Pence. They've been campaigning more and more on the issue of fracking, uh, which is a process of, of oil and gas drilling. Uh, they think that this is going to help them win votes in key states like Pennsylvania. Joe Biden has said, quote, I am not banning fracking. 
during your primary campaign, you said that you supported a ban. Are you comfortable with Joe Biden's position? Yes, because Joe is saying, listen, one, those are good paying jobs in places like Pennsylvania. It was a And debate. two, that we need to also invest and put a significant investment in the good paying union jobs mm -hmm. that we can create around clean energy, around but renewable energy. But you said last energy. time that you and, were and that banning is the fracking. Kind of approach it we need was to a have. debate. But we're always <laughs> understanding that it's a false choice to suggest that we either debate. take care of um, jobs or we take care of our environment. We can do both and we should do both. Let's say that again. President Trump, Vice President Pence, they've been campaigning more and more on the issue of fracking, uh, which is a process of, of oil and gas drilling. Uh, they think that this is going to help them win votes in key states like Pennsylvania. Joe Biden has said, quote, I am not banning fracking. During your primary campaign, you said that you supported a ban. Are you comfortable with Joe Biden's position? Yes, because Joe is saying, listen, one, those are good paying jobs in places like Pennsylvania. Now, hold on. Exactly one year ago in the debate, I think one year ago today, you were very stern. You had a very certain um, and, um, and concrete answer to the fracking question when an environmentalist asked you about it at the debate. Thank you. My family lives in western Pennsylvania where fracked gas wells have become a common sight. Yet the toxic impacts of fracking on the community are immense, yeah. from contaminated groundwater to poisonous emissions. Yeah. Will you commit to implementing a federal ban on fracking your first day in office, adding the United States to the first list of day. countries who have banned this devastating practice? There's no question I'm in favor of banning fracking. So, yeah. yeah and, no and, question. And starting, and starting with what we can do on day one around public lands, right? And, um, and then there has to be legislation. But yes, and this is something I've taken on in California. I have a history of working on this issue. And to your point, um, and, you know, the, we have to just acknowledge that the residual impact of fracking is enormous in terms of the impact on the health and safety of communities. Yeah, so thank you. So would you ban offshore drilling? Yes. Yay, why not? And I've, again, worked on that. <laughs> Uh, you can you can talk to the folks in Santa Barbara about the work that I've done there, where it's a big problem, but it's a big problem in many areas of our country. Right, and yes, two very definitive answers. Two very definitive answers. Yeah, absolutely. A lot different than their her latest definitive answer. But then again, it was a debate. <laughs> it was a debate. <laughs> It was a debate. If you're not understanding where that drop is from, it's from uh, Kamala a month ago on Colbert. Because in those debates, you landed haymakers on Joe Biden. I mean, they were his teeth were like chiclets all over the stage. And now I believe you that you're fully supportive of him. How does that transition happen? How do you go from being such a passionate opponent on such bedrock principles for you and, and now... You guys seem to be pals. It was a debate. <laughs> Not everybody landed punches like you did, though. It I was mean. a debate. <laughs> so you don't mean it. It was a debate. Mm -hmm. That the whole reason, literally, it was a debate. It was called a debate. Everyone I understand. Traveled to the debate. There were journalists there covering the debate. Jesus. Where there would be a debate. Oh, my God. So, but when you said that you were for banning fracking and now you're not going to, 
but you said you were with Dana Bash. It was an interview. It was an interview. Everything's disposable. It's just about the moments and the days. She's just got to get through the moments and the debates. Incredible. By the way, our buddy Joe Biden during the debates as well was a little uh, harsh on uh, fossil fuels. Number one, no more subsidies for fossil fuel industry. No more drilling on federal lands. No more drilling, including Jesus. offshore. No ability for the oil industry to continue to drill, period. Ends. Number one. Jesus. And the one thing I think we have to acknowledge. I'll get to that later. That's Biden the other day in uh, in, the other, in Kenosha. He's at the, a church, and I don't know, man. I didn't. I have. I I'm surprised he made it through it. He was he was huffing and puffing. He was losing his train of thought. It's fine. Don't, I don't want to pile on him. But so this rest of this thing with Dana Bash is incredible. It's the the third thing they show is there's this like love fest where Kamala Harris and Dana Bash visit um, her university where she went to school and they spend 10 minutes just regaling. I mean, it's like they're too like they should have been sharing uh, glasses of Pinot Grigio. Man, it was it was such a love fest. Okay, so here's here. my sorority tree. I know. I, I know. know. I You're that. awesome, Kamala. And so we went. Okay, so let me just tell you. On Friday, so you know the whole thing about dress down Friday. Yeah. No. Uh, no, actually, none of us do. But go ahead. But the thing is, is that Kamala, Kamala, um, and Dana, who are yucking it up, having a lot of fun right now. With this, she's very comfortable actually talking about this because this is based on truth. These are benign memories from college. So this she's not trying to – she'll probably be consistent on this because she's not trying to survive and get out of the room. So you won't hear the ha-ha-ha, the crazy laugh, and you won't hear the complete reversal and then re-reversal and unreversal and all this other stuff that happens during the debate. So here we go. It's the Kamala and Dana show. At Howard, this is called The Yard, uh-huh. and we would dress up on Fridays. Uh-huh. And then just promenade all, everybody would promenade, hang out on the grass. All the Greek organizations would um, like step around their trees. So mm -hmm. there's the Kappas. Oh yeah, all of them are here. We're sitting here, you're giving me a tour and it's empty. I know, I thought about that because school's supposed to start this week. Yeah, I know. and there's, because they, they're not coming back, it's all virtual. It's so, I was thinking the same thing, like, she, oh my God, oh my that God. I would be coming back we to do this interview thoughts. here. And if all the students were here, but it's really, it's a very special place. You have fond memories, obviously. Oh, very of fond How did this place shape you? Oh, Jesus. Oh, in profound ways. I mean, oh. look, we were in Toni Morrison's where she wrote, you know, in that room that we were in. Thurgood walked this campus. I mean, it's just the long legacy. And it shaped so much of who I am. That's right. I, my first office that I ever ran for. Can we be BFFs? First office was freshman class representative of the Liberal Arts Student Council. Um, and, it, and you won. Girl power. I won, yeah. <laughs> and when you were running then, did you just think, oh, I want to be a leader on campus? Or did you have in the back of your mind, truly? I never had it in my mind college. that I would run for public office. It was, um, you know, I mean, it was an exciting Hanging out time. with Kamala. You know, we would um, we would go up to the mall and protest apartheid. And Howard yeah, has a long yeah, you would. history and legacy of real of real student activism. And so I have a, a 
a quote here from your book, uh -huh. where you talk about Howard, uh, the beauty of Howard. Do you mind if I read you quote from your book? Students that we could be anything. Yeah. That we were young, gifted, and black, and we shouldn't let anything get in the way of our success. That's true. That was That's awesome, true. Kamala. What does that mean for you, particularly as great as a passage? Black woman? It meant that you could do anything, and you didn't have to be confined by anyone else's idea no, of didn't. what it means. Not to you, be Kamala. You could be. A fine art student, and also, you know, be class president. You could be yeah, you homecoming would. queen and be the head yeah, of the you would. Club. You're class president. You're president of awesomeness. Oh. It was a debate. <laughs> that was the love fest. Check it, it out if you can. Debate. Maybe I'll tweet it out in the show notes. The Dana Bash, uh, Kamala Harris. Um, Howard University tour and uh, Esplanade and uh, just the absolute uh, bonding experiences they had together. You think Mike Pence is getting one of those? Uh, no, I don't think so. He's getting um, the the gay readjustment uh, surgery that he dictated in Indiana and all the other mean, horrible things he did to people just wanting to love each other. So uh, we should we should hit a little Biden, I think, here. Biden was in, um, he was in Kenosha, like we said the other day, um, maybe three days ago now. And he's been spending a lot of time with the Blake family. And I guess that's a nice gesture, but the guy was is not a good dude. He would just finished, according to the police records, he just finished sexually assaulting her. So I don't know if this strategy of buddying up to this guy who then w was jumping in a car with kids in the back. People say he was shot in front of his kids. Well, he was jumping into a car that we don't believe he had any business being in. We don't know that he had possession or had custody of his kids, and he had already proven himself to be dangerous. He had already been fighting with the cops. You don't let him jump into a um, jump into a car full of kids. Okay, so here's Joe Biden, and I, I like I said, I'm a little worried about him, but that's fine. You. People are beginning to see because of COVID who the people are out and breaking their necks and risking their lives to keep them safe in their homes. You know that old definition of a firefighter. God made man and then he made a couple firefighters. Is that a definition? Is that an old definition of a firefighter that you've heard? I've missed it if it has been. You're all crazy, thanks God. I grew up in a neighborhood. You either became a firefighter or a priest. I wasn't qualified for either, so here's who I am. Can we actually get an EMT for Mr. Biden? Um, he appears to be uh, laboring and trying to breathe. We've also learned, and I'll end with this. I know you're getting too antsy. Sit down, man. How do I do that? Sir, I suggest you sit down, or he will offer to fight you and threaten to hit you and kick your ass because he... He feels a lot of uh, confrontational behavior uh, and feels it in the in the ether itself, and he's ready to throw down. Stop that. But, 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 but this is important. Here's the deal. If you think about it. Here's the deal. Uh, he needs oxygen. We finally figured out drug abuse doesn't call mental, cause mental health problems. Mental health problems cause drug abuse. Did anybody sign off on that from the medical community? Are we sure that's a completely clinically safe thing to say i know that if donald trump um talked about uh, sunlight and disinfectants used in certain medications he ordered us to drink bleach and that was completely irresponsible 
But are we sure Biden's allowed to say such platitudes without any uh, critical vetting from the media? Yeah, where's the uh, symmetrical media on this, Brian Stelter? And if you don't detect the anxiety in children early and deal with it and treat it, you increase exponentially the prospect that they're going to be, in fact, find themselves susceptible Hunter. to the, what's happening in the community. The generic point I'm making is there's so much we can do. So much we can do. And we can do it just by eliminating the tax cut for the top one-tenth of one percent, which is one trillion three hundred and fifty billion dollars. It's done nothing to help anybody. Not an awkward blocky segue at all. Not at all. Buddy. Nineteen corporations making a billion dollars apiece don't pay a single penny in taxes. I'm not going to punish anybody, but everybody should pay a fair share. I can lay out for you. I won't now because they'll shoot me. But here- mm, Should we be saying they'll shoot me? You know, essentially with the loved ones and in the hometown of the guy who was shot by cops seven times. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. I pay for every single thing I'm proposing without raising your taxes one penny. If you make less than 400 grand, you're not going to get a penny tax. <sighs> Was anybody worried? Is anybody worried that the guy is... Maybe we don't make him wear a mask, you know? Remember, masks don't protect you. They protect everybody else. Isn't that the deal? What's the deal? And the one thing I think we have to acknowledge... Oh, wait. Hold on. Where are we here? Um, is, it, is that the next one? Okay. And the one thing I think we have to acknowledge... My mom used to have an expression... Okay, whenever he says his mom using her expression, or his dad used to say, Joey, they never say anything kid-friendly. like Like, Joey, you didn't catch a fish today, but we'll catch one tomorrow. Or, Joey, be nice to your brother. Or, you know, Joey, clean up your room. Or, Joey, a clean room is a sign of a happy child. Or anything. All of their the things he remembers, the the ditties from his parents he remembers, were are all like dark and... Very mature pronouncements. They, there was never a word wasted by his parents. They were just philosophers. Oh, I'd say, you want to know me? Come walk in my shoes a mile. But your mother was a plagiarist as well. Really? That's your mother saying? Jesus. Well, um, even though I've been involved in the, with the African-American community and the civil rights movement since I've been a junior in high school. Hey, he apologized in the 80s for making that up, for saying that he was in the civil rights movement in high school. The segregated movie theaters were like, I can't understand what it's like to walk out the door or send my son out the door or my daughter and worry about just because they're black, they may not come back. It's a nice sentiment and would ring true if he was talking about being shot in the streets dead, but... He's meant to, you know, he, the, the tune he's playing is that the cops are, are hunting black people. By the way, this is, I, I went over to the Intercept, and they've actually, they wrote about this. This is Glenn Greenwald's thing. Um, ahead of South Carolina vote, Joe Biden faces questions over claims of civil rights activism. In 1987, Biden said he was a teenage civil rights activist. Then he said he wasn't. Now he said he was. He has. Does he have a hazy memory, or is this all malarkey? And there's this video. I'll try to play a little bit of it. It's it's um, produced up, but it shows you some of his um, stances on civil rights from 1987 to now. When I marched in the civil rights movement, 
I did not march with a 12-point program. This is from the 80s. I marched with tens of thousands of others to change attitudes. And we changed attitudes. In 1987, Biden claimed he marched in the civil rights movement. When I was 17 years old, like many of you, I participated in sit-ins to desegregate the restaurants and movie houses of Wilmington, Delaware. I came out of the civil rights movement. I was one of those guys that sat in and... This is all 1987. March and all that stuff. A few months later, Biden disavowed the claim right before dropping out of the presidential race. In other words, he didn't do any of that. During the 60s, I was, in fact, very concerned about the civil rights movement. I was not an activist. Huh. I worked at an all-black swimming pool in the east side of... Wow. What a d detached white person thing to say. I'm down. I worked at an all-black swimming pool. I saw how they interact between themselves. Jesus, Biden. Wilmington, Delaware. I was involved. I was involved in what, what they were thinking, what they were feeling. I was involved. He's, this is some excellent uh, horse bleep uh, CYA backtracking. I was involved, but I was not out marching. I was not down in Selma. I was not anywhere else. I wasn't marching. Sure, I said I was marching before. And I, oh, he's good, actually. He's perfect for Kamala. They're the same person. They were. It was a debate. That's what he should have said. Come on. I said that during a debate. It was a debate. <laughs> it was a debate. <laughs> it That's essentially what he is saying, actually. They are good for each other. They're perfect. Let me get back to that. Let me hear a little bit more of that. I was a suburbanite kid who got a dose of exposure to what was happening to black Americans when I in my own city. Decades later, during the Obama era and more recently on the campaign trail, he started making the same claims again. You know, when I was a teenager in Delaware, for real, I got involved in the civil rights movement. We have the eighth largest black population in America. Most people don't know that. And uh, He's in another black church, by the way, here. I'd go to 8 o'clock mass, then I'd go to Reverend Herring's church where we'd meet in order to organize and figure Are the CNN fact checkers on this? Is Daniel Dane or Daniel Dare, Dare and Daniel Dane, is he on this, by the way, anybody? Where we were going to go, whether we we're going to desegregate the Rialdo movie theater, what we were going to do. I got my education. That stuff he just talked about, he has already withdrawn as being untrue. For real, in the black church. Oh, my God. Oh, man. If there were a media in this country, they could just live off this alone. And that's not hyperbole. It's a fact. <laughs> but I got my education, Reverend Doc, in the black church. Not a joke. Because <laughs> oh, when we Jesus. used to get organized on Sundays. He will fight you if you think it's a joke, by the way, Reverend Doc. Out and desegregate movie theaters and things like that. We do it through the black church. I was no big shakes, Reverend, in the civil rights. I was just a kid. I got involved in desegregated movie theaters. And I was no big shakes in the civil rights movement, just a kid. In fact, you were no shakes in the civil rights movement. You were home. Closest you ever got to the civil rights movement was being the chief, um, the chief law enforcement officer at a swimming pool. Helping, you may remember Reverend Moyer in Delaware and Herman Holloway organized voter registration drives. Well, I wasn't there Coming for that. out of black churches on Sunday, figuring how we were going to... Yeah, never saw it. You may remember. I don't. I have no idea what was going on. I was down at the swimming pool or playing football. ...to move. 
In October... Oh, God, this is him in front of um, Sharpton's group. Uh, I was invited to uh, the National Civil Rights Museum in Memphis to receive the Freedom Award, a thing when I sat in black churches on the east side of Wilmington getting ready to, and by the way, next to Jewish, two Jewish rabbis, uh, getting ready to go out and desegregate movies. Joe, keep your complete fallacy to uh, one demographic, please. Theaters in Delaware. Um, I never, ever thought in my life I would be worthy of, and I'm still not sure I'm worthy of it. There he goes. <laughs> Incredible. Maybe that's the way to get through life. It's a debate. It's, it's just a debate. Uh... Hey, so... We're going to talk to my friend Jacqueline Cashman about something a little bit different, okay? This is a little bit different, and um, but I think it's cool. And actually, well, we'll get into a few things. Hang in there. Okay, I am always happy to talk to Jacqueline Cashman. Jacqueline Cashman is on Twitter, at Jacqueline Cashman, J-A-C-L-Y-N. And, um, and Jacqueline and I worked together at the Boston Herald for a while. She's now the uh, columnist at the Boston Herald. You can find her stuff there at bostonherald.com. And uh, she has about 80 different hustles that she's into right now, Jacqueline. Do you want to, should we just keep it to the Herald or do you want to tell everybody about your entire universe? Well, we'll keep it at the Herald for, for today. Okay. All right, Jacqueline, uh, this will be one of our few um, PG rated conversations. How are you? I'm good. I mean, I don't like the fact that we're starting off by saying we're going to have a PG conversation. That's not really where our conversations go, but I, know. I guess it's Labor Day. I can, I can handle that. Okay, so this is uh, I, I want I, I want people to uh, know what I'm talking about. My wife re goes to Reddit all the time, and under the category I A wait no A I T A am I the bleep hole? Um, she found this thing today, and I found it interesting. Am I the a hole for refusing to buy my fiance an engagement ring? This is going to sound weird, but stick with me, please. My fiance and I got engaged when I proposed. Um, and when I proposed, I hadn't bought the ring yet because I wanted to pick one out with her. So last night we were discussing everything, you know, basic stuff. She informed me that she wanted to keep her last name. That really bothers me. I told her so, but she insisted. Um, but I can't control her. But then she started to ask about when we're going to get the ring and etc. I thought about it and told her, I actually don't think we should use an engagement ring because that's a sexist tradition too. I said if she wanted to... She could just go out and get herself something, but I didn't care. This upset her for whatever reason, and we fought about uh, and are still mad at each other. She and my sister think I'm being uh, petty, but I don't. Am I the a-hole? Edit. People think I'm being petty, and that engagement rings, and that engagement rings aren't actually sexist. Please, uh, another edit. I shouldn't have posted this. No one is taking my feelings that engagement rings are sexist into account. And another one, my f another edit, my fiancé said that she thought that br brides taking the groom's last name was sexist, and that's why she wasn't going to do it. So, Jacqueline, um, what is your take? Is this guy uh, out of line here, or uh, what, what, what's your feeling? So there's a few things. One, I think that if you're fighting about the engagement, then you probably shouldn't get engaged. Mm -hmm. Usually when you get engaged, it's supposed to be the happiest time, and it's not a time where you're arguing. So I think that's, one, a red flag. And then, two... Um, I don't agree with that uh, notion that somehow a ring is sexist because both a man and a woman wears a ring. If maybe he does, maybe he wants to get a ring that they're, they're the same ring, and it's just yeah. But just the, the man band. doesn't wear an engagement ring. The woman, a, a man, wears a wedding ring. 
Um, yeah, no, I, I, but I mean, still, I, I just, I don't, I don't follow that logic. I mean, jewelry is, is sort of a rite of passage for women. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that that's different than taking their name. I mean, that, that is, that is redefining you as a person. I mean, you know, I took my husband's name for restaurant reservations, but that's about it. I mean, you know, everything else I'm Jacqueline Cashman, you know, with, with the Herald. And with- now, hold on, Jacqueline. One, you're obviously wrong. Um, and she's got, got issues if she won't take the name and she decided that's, that that's um that that's some kind of sexist thing but you're also you're you're also a TV a media brand as Jacqueline Cashman so i think you get a pass on this and you're also not an uptight jerk um not uptight anyway but so <laughs> so no but but i like his thinking cuz if she's picking and choosing this stuff about marriage but she's omitting that one well then he's got every right I to i think a ring i think putting a diamond on your hand cannot be equated to changing your name and who you've been your whole life. I mean, I remember until my dad had sons, he used to insist that we were not allowed to change our last name when we got married. And it wasn't until that he had boys. He was like, oh, don't worry about it. Change your last name. It's fine. So I'd never really planned on changing my last name. My email is still Jacqueline Cashman. So, you know, I, I get that. I think that he actually lacks some level of confidence. I mean, even Trevor's mother, who was the managing editor of Vogue for 20 years, she was Lori Jones. She was a Lori Childs on the masthead. I think it's okay to want to hold on to something that is that defines you, which is your last name. Eh, I think that, that for some people, like, you know, Trevor's mom is obviously an alpha. For some people, if they're an alpha and they're like, no, this is my brand, this is me, I'm doing whatever the hell I want. Um, then that's fine. I think that this woman who said it's sexist, I think that that's a sign that she's going to have, and he'll find out, and you're right, they shouldn't get married, that she's got a whole bunch of other issues. Like There was a time when I had a girlfriend in my 20s, and she absolutely did not want to change her name. Are you uh, sure you had a girlfriend in your 20s? I did. I did. Believe me, there weren't too many. Uh, she would she would not cop to it now, I guarantee you. She's also successful in somewhere else. But but she said she would never would never change her name. And all of the issues that I thought would come with that absolutely came with it. Absolutely. And that was the, the first one. Um, and it's just like, who has hangups? I mean, that's such a, a bad sign. You know, having hangups, if there's something that absolutely bothers, bothers you. Like, if the tradition was the other way around, then just, then I would change my name. But the tradition, if we're getting a traditional marriage and all the fruits of a traditional marriage, you know, all the money from the traditional marriage and everything else, then do it. You don't be a cafeteria uh, bride and just pick the stuff that you that you like. You know, the, the thing is, it's showing that you're becoming, that you're joining together to become one new thing. And that's what she's supposed to be doing. And uh, she doesn't want to. I'm, I, I, I can't believe that so many people are, are against this. Sure. I, think he, I think he lacks sensitivity. I think that he obviously doesn't know who his fiance is because this should have been a conversation that would have been brought up well in advance of the engagement. Like your girlfriend in, in, in your 20s who you knew well in advance that she was never going to take your last name. But I don't blame her. I mean, who wants her last name? Shabbat, anyways. I mean, you have to be fair to the girl. Did she have a good last name? <laughs> yes, Morse, M-O-R-S-E. She still. Oh, I would not go from Morse to Shattuck. I mean, I got lucky. I went from Cashman to Childs, and I'm very pleased with with the other last name. But if if I had like a, a my boyfriend had a really bad last name, mm-hmm. I'm not going to his last name. Do, do we know what this guy's last name is? What if it's something like really bad, like Snicklefritz <laughs> or something? <laughs> it is funny how I, I, I do find women tend to marry into better names. 
and it, like um I, that's that's a very dangerous thing to say because it can only it can it, it, like like snickelfritches generally become like susan snickelfritch usually gets married and becomes like susan fox it seems that oh no actually that's not true because we worked with a rachel fox and she just married and she's not rachel fox anymore so i, re- I retract everything i said there so Jacqueline, I noticed. You know, go ahead. Never, you know who should never have changed her last. Uh, Lauren, uh, uh, what's her? What, Lauren Bush. Um, Laura Bush. What do you call it? Laura Bush should never have changed her name because now she's Lauren Lauren. Is that true? Yeah. So, so uh, Lauren Bush, who is the niece to President uh, to President Bush, she married Ralph Lauren's son. So her name now is Lauren Lauren. I think that's stupid. She should never have done that. Yeah. Um, hmm. Lauren. So I think that there needs to be more to this story. But at the end of the day, if you don't know going into an engagement your your fiance's position on her last name, I don't think they talk very often or yeah. they listen to one another. And then him doubling down and going for one of the most sacred things that a girl always wishes for in her life, which is a, an engagement ring, and saying he, she can't have that if he's not taking the last name. He seems like a bitter jerk. Always win the immediate war. That's my. That's my. Uh, Advice for all men. It's worth it. Always the immediate war is worth it no matter what. And don't cater to these uh, these people. Before I let you go, Jacqueline, who's going to win the election, presidential election? Trump. You think so, huh? Yeah. I, I, I just don't see, you know, Joe Hyden winning the election. <laughs> well, you're a suburban housewife, so to speak. Um, you're supposed to have gone away from Trump. Um, what are people like you? Why would people like you now go back towards him? Is it seriously because Biden is hiding? Um, no, it, it's it's mostly for me. I mean, it's it's I actually believe in the majority of Trump's policies. I think that um, Trump, if you if you take out his personality disorder and you just focus on his <laughs> policies, they make a lot of sense. And so that's why I'm going to vote for him. I mean, I think he's going to be a complete jack and an embarrassment. <laughs> and um <laughs> you know but what? And <laughs> then lose any of my money to the federal government that seems to just piss it away and make poor decisions. <laughs> and I just can't be a part of the party of Nancy Pelosi that goes and gets her hair done, you know, during COVID, pretending that like she doesn't know the rules when it's her party that created those rules. Um, you shouldn't be a lawmaker if you don't know the laws that are actually instituted in your own state and in your city. <laughs> Jacqueline, I love that. I love your answer, and I didn't, even, I didn't, I didn't drag it out of you either. But I love what you said when you said, you know, he's going to be a, a jack and an embarrassment. But essentially, his policies are like sound enough. That's like completely like what my wife feels about staying with me. You know, and I, I think a lot of wives they look at their husbands and they say, yeah, they're embarrassing and they're overall useless. But you know, it is a living, breathing human being with some stability. Well, exactly. Yeah, and I, I just think that the. The tax plan that he's proposing, and, and other big issue is if, if you look at all the major democratic cities where there are these riots going on, that's going to be perpetuated around the whole country even further if we have Biden in there because he's not willing to stand up to these guys. Oh no, like, totally. I'll be yeah. There are other thugs. Hey, did you um, did you vote for Trump last time around? No, I what? voted for Gary Johnson. Remember, I was I was pushing for the third party. I knew my I knew my vote for Trump didn't matter. Wow. All right. Jacqueline Cashman, follow her on Twitter. It's at Jacqueline Cashman, should be Childs, at Jacqueline Cashman. Um, and look for her stuff in the Boston Herald. She's got a column coming out tomorrow, which I think is going to be grotesque, but I'll read it and I'll, uh, we'll promote it anyway. Jacqueline, thank you. Thank you. So there we go. 
My friend Jacqueline Cashman, she's a good kid, good people, and very fun, by the way. Hey, uh, thank you so much, everybody. I really appreciate it. I hope you had a good Labor Day, and uh, let's hope this week is good for the economy, showing positive signs, a couple upticks, movement on getting a vaccine um, from Pfizer, or maybe even the Russians. I don't know. Everybody's in this road race for the vaccine, so that's looking good. Follow me on Twitter, at Tom Shattuck. I appreciate it. And uh, feel free to leave a review and five stars if you don't mind. Or if you do mind, that's fine, too. I just appreciate you listening. Talk to you later. C'est la vie. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.